Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into not only the first episode under the veil of the new Lumber Slayer CD shelf, but episode number 50 of the Lumber Slayer and Friends podcast. We did it. We made it. 50 is a number, and it's a, it's a number that people respect, and people understand, and people see as a milestone, so why the fuck shouldn't we? It's half a centennial, man. It is. I'm the one true lumber slayer, Alex Hopshaw, joined as always by Adam Friedman. We're veterans now. We are. We are over the hill. We're kicking it. We're making magic. And uh, if 50 episodes of Lumber Slayer and Friends has taught me anything, it's that we start every episode with a beer. And what are we drinking today? We got some beer to drink here. Al, do you like lager beer? Adam Friedman told me I should like lager beer. So uh, I'm going to say yes. Well, it's no secret that we are, you know, find ourselves uh, in an ever-evolving landscape of craft beer in this country, and it is indeed a renaissance. We have had a lot of hype IPAs, adjunct stouts, fruit beers, sours, yada, 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 all the way down the line. We are sort of turning a corner into more traditional styles of beer. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, and um, I like to ride the wave of the hype. <laughs> and the trends here. I'm a slave to trends. And anyways, I, I have a selection of three different lagers we're going to sample that I picked up at the old holiday market and found pretty much exactly what I had in mind when we had talked about what we wanted to drink here. So the first one, really excited to pop this. This is out of a, um, a pint bottle that we're going to split. It's the House Lager from Waypost Brewing Company in Fenville, Michigan. And we had to look that up because neither of us were familiar with Fenville. Yeah, and it's uh, right smack dab in the uh, middle of the Michigan West Coast hotspot. The southwestern corner of Michigan. Uh, really heavy in the Grand Rapids area and the Kalamazoo area. This sits right between there in the uh, the Holland area. Right on the lake. And uh, we're going to be talking about lakes today, so... Lakes. Seems appropriate. Both uh, both roll in with the uh, mugs today because it's lager day. I like it. I got my uh, got my Winwood out of Miami. And the rest of that is yours. Oh actually. man, you're a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, well, mine's a. This is a wider glass. So. She thick. Yeah, I'm really glad that you actually have these mugs like ready to go because this is perfect, man. I've got a Pilsner Urquell, the original Pilsner mug, and you've got the from the old. Miami, or should I say Miami, uh, trip that we took. Prost to beers. Cheers. Sure tastes like a lager. Oh, man. That is yummy. Man, crisp, but um, has a lot of... It's not, like, gone off the tongue crisp. It's, like, that uh, kind of bitey malt taste is still there. And uh, a traditional hop character too uh, let's see what this i think it says the, the hop variety here oh it's noble for sure that's noble hops brewed in the zwickelbia style this unfiltered and naturally carbonated lager is characterized by its crisp malt backdrop and accent notes of noble hops not showy just elegant and dependable i think it's a great yeah, description it, that's quite quite good you know what i really like in a lager is a bitter finish and this one has one yeah like when you're not doing crazy 
oh, let's throw in this big flavor and that big flavor and this big flavor in there. Yep. I want something that bites and then finishes like you just drank a fucking beer. And, uh, yeah, you're getting all that here. So, nice. Yeah, one of the comments I was making when um, I um, arrived here was, uh, yeah, $5.50 for a single bottle of lager is pretty expensive. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's still just lager beer. But they are clearly using some high-quality ingredients and probably some pretty sophisticated methods of lagering this beer for it to be at that price point, I would I would say. Or, you know, that's in very small batches or however they're doing it. But that's a very tasty lager right there. I mean, that's not a... This is quite a stretch from your domestic lagers that you know you used to getting at a baseball game or whatever so the problem i have with a straight lager is that like i just want to pound this thing yeah <laughs> yeah and you know what there's nothing wrong with that like um it's for drinking this is beer made for drinking you know yeah and it's the right time of the year for it too the weather's fucking changing yeah man sun's coming up I can wake up to sunlight. That's nice. I like it. I'm waking up to fucking darkness and yeah, it, be it, ready to go right back to sleep. Right. It's good for the mental health. Um, and it helps to get out of, out of bed. And it's also funny. It's like putting my son down for for bed. It's like still light out. It's like not used to that for the last, you know, six months. Mm-hmm. It's like just dark. But I like this beer a lot. And it, you know what? Holiday had like two or three others from the same brewery. So now we got a new brewery on the radar. Sweet. Love that. That's pretty neat. And they seem to package, at least all the ones that Holiday had, they package in this pint-sized bottle. So, How long do you think before they start canning? I don't know. They they might be trying to separate themselves from the pack a little bit mm-hmm. with the different packaging. Who's to say? I don't know. Everyone's gone aluminum, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just trying to stand out a bit. The... Indie guy in me likes to think that when you start something up, you buy used gear and you get an old bottling line because somebody had one cheap because they've switched over. That's what I like to think. It's total speculation. Just There's a little romance there for me. It's very possible. So, Speaking of uh, working man's beverage, we're going to talk about a working man's album today. Are we? We're going we're gonna to do that. So... Uh, you know, sometimes you look at album art and you just know something's going to be for you. And uh, I saw, scrolling through the old Graham, uh, an orange album cover with band font in the style similar to Kveller Talk. And I'm like, this is going to be for me. And uh, I took a listen and God damn it, if it wasn't, we are talking today about Horndall, lake drinker. We are drinking the lake. We're drinking the lake. We're drinking the lagers. We're drinking the lake. Drinking the lager. Drinking the lake. Drinking the lager. Drinking the lake. Something like that. Um, this is the second full length from Swedish sludge metalers slash hardcore. I was trying to put my finger on what this band was because they've got uh, some deathy elements. They definitely have some thrashy elements. Yep. And I, I think the sludge hardcore... Uh, branding that Metal Encyclopedia gave them pretty spot on. 
Yeah, when you were talking about how sometimes you just know something's going to be for you, you were judging off the artwork. I saw Sludge Metal from Stockholm and was like, well, <laughs> Lumber Slayer's going to like this one. Yeah. I mean, so there, you, you were kind of... Uh, I, I do like the Sludge and I do like the Swedes. It was for you on, on both ends there, on the on the album art as well as just the what these guys do. So let's get into it. Yeah. Um so like I said before we really go into it, this is their second full length. Um, if I am to understand this correctly, the band is themed around this factory in the town of Horndal, uh that got shut down in the 70s. And uh, this is about the uh, haunting after effects of the shutdown, if I, if I am to understand this correctly. Didn't know that. So... Here's where we at. The first album was about the factory shutdown, and this is about the post results of it. So, and you might even say you might even say that that '70s vibe is kind of with their sound as well, mm-hmm. perhaps. Well, I, I would say that right off the bat with uh, this first track, "Rosin," uh, you get a uh, late '70s, early '80s horror movie slasher film intro vibe and uh that theme is going to be kind of consistent throughout the record you get this big like slayery thrash going and these powerful booming drums that stay behind instead of blasting along with the uh guitar riffing is a nice little contrast the uh vocals for me kind of remind me of an odorous urungus from guar mixed with randy blythe i was thinking guar for sure yeah it's uh it's a really interesting tone it's a shouting more than a like screaming style vocals and it's something that i really like a little bit of flavor there um track moves a little bit creepy uh like the start the intro like crunchy riffage um and then you go full thrash into a solo and it ends like it starts. Now, there's going to be a consistency throughout the record where we'll bring back the intro riff to close out the record. They kind of like to, or the track, they like to bookend their tracks. So, good way to start the album and tell you what you're going to get throughout the album. One of the things that I took away from the vocal performance in the very first track that struck me, I definitely thought of the guy from Guar for sure. And then I also thought... And I, I feel like I get this um, out of a lot of sludge metal bands that I've come across over the years. I got like a Iron Butterfly kind of a vibe. Ooh, nice. kind of, I think that was, was that 60s or 70s? I'm not sure. Good question. In the late 60s, early 70s. But he just reminds me of that guy. Yeah, I gotta do yep. like, it. reminds me of that very much in the style-wise. So that's kind of my takeaway. Um, I, I thought that the they introduced their sound really well in that first track, but I was a much bigger fan of the second track, personally. I can buy into that. Um, Horndall's Bloodbad. Uh, this one starts out with uh, uh, percussive bells, so like xylophony something. Um, leads into an uneasy vibe. Like, they end phrases on... Uh, this is where I should have paid better attention when I was in band class. Um, I don't I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but th- they uh, punctuate phrases on an uneasy note. There's no uh, there's no relief at the end of the phrases. It's eerie. Interesting. 
Um, so just some kind of non-traditional dynamic changes and something that adds a lot of tension. Hmm. Um, and then they do this. Uh, they'll do this thing at the last third of the track where they'll reset the track and bring back the intro riff hmm. thing. I kind of alluded to that in the first one. This is where you really get that first taste of that interesting way to structure your shit you said you really like this one i did someone well i assume it's the percussionist unless someone else plays the bells mm-hmm. in this track which i thought was cool kind of taking a uh, a page out of the tribulation book hey. um there's they always sort of creep the bells in in their albums uh, i thought that actually worked pretty nicely it's both in the intro as well as the outro of this track and boy I love the chug and sludge and guitars here. That was probably um, my favorite all-around track, even though we'll get into a couple of sound clips here, and I, I want to play a few riffs that I loved later on in the album. Great track, though. Hell yeah. We move on to The Uprising, and this one starts out with those big fucking toms, which is a cool fucking thing for me. Um Cool little time signature stuff going on in this one. There's some syncopation stuff going on. There's a little bit more flavor on this track than you're going to get on other stuff. Um, you're going to get more sludgy Mastodon vibes. Check out on your bingo card. Lumber Slayer said Mastodon. It's like I like that band or something. If you say Mastodon two more times, I get a bingo. <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, kind of like a creepy Tim Burton-y middle section on this one. I would buy that. Yeah, I like that. And then uh, it comes back hard. Um, this is another one of those like bands that you want to do a road trip playing this album to. This one I want in the car. I want to like get pumped up and get fucking rocking on. Hell yeah, brother. So, another good track. The Black Wheel. We get those bells back. Yes. Been waiting for that. Um... They do kind of like a stabby, like, on the one, two, three, four beat on this one, and then it turns into a groove rocker. I, I like when the band switches up into the groove beats. I, th- I feel like the groove beats really suit this band well. Uh, you get, like, a, that stabby beat comes back, and then it goes into this, like, dream sequence in the middle. And it's a nice little part, nice little section for you. And then, uh, hey, let's stick the intro back onto the end, as per usual. So, I want to play a quick clip here focused on the guitar riff that I thought was just absolutely awesomely executed. We're about uh, 10 seconds after the one-minute mark here. That is nicely written riffing right there. Uh, love that sound. That's what that's what gets your head nodding. Really draws that really drew me in. Yeah, I get uh that section in particular reminds me of High Road by Mastodon. Pretty much. So right in the old Lumber Slayer Rehoss. Getting close to that bingo. Um <laughs> 
That is that's awesome, and I totally agree with you. When they when they kind of drop that, and they fall into a groove. Mm-hmm. It usually doesn't last longer than 20, 30 seconds. But man, is that a great sound! Um, absolutely loved that. I actually I I wrote on and listened to that like three times in a row because that one riff just really got me when I was going through this album. That's that's great shit. Hell yeah. Hey, you know what? Let's pause and pour this other beer. Okay, I got no problems with that. I like a I, I like a middle break, beer break. Indeed. So new brewery there from Michigan on the uh, house lager that was quite delicious. Also, a new brewery for us, I believe. Out of Littleton, New Hampshire, we have Schilling Beer Company, and this is their Czech style pilsner, sticking on that lager train, called. Alexander. They named it after me. Very much like, kind of, we were talking about this in the kitchen, the color scheme and the layout of this. Very traditional, but also kind of like the check flag, almost, with that uh, with that tip at the top. I don't know. Yeah, you can almost stick just the word beer where <laughs> Alexander is, and it would feel, I was telling Adam, I'd like, I get, like, Soviet block era vibes from this for some reason. Looks like a can of beer. It does look like a can of beer. And uh, I'm really fucking excited. It's poured in gold. Listen to that ASMR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is special. Good head on it. I mean, like, dude, this... <laughs> it looks like you went to a dive bar and poured a beer. Yep. And a cheese to the bees. To you, my man. I'm liking this. I'm liking, uh, I'm liking Lager Day. See, it's even more crispy. Yeah. It's a little sweeter. Yes, definitely sweet beer. Not as much of a ba- bitter back end on this one. You know, let me get another swig of this. I Do you taste, like, blueberry sweetness? See, I was about me? to say, like, citrus. I'm getting, like, lemon. Yeah, there's definitely sweetness there. That's, like, but not sugary. It's, uh, it's like a fruity. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely more character in this one. But yeah, real crisp. That's like huh. I, I like how that bounces off the tongue there. You know what's great about the craft lager versus the mass produced lager is there's no like mealy, like mouth feel grossness to it at the mm. end. And there's also no artificial sweet to it. So the one big complaint I have and the one thing I really hate about doing dieting and shit is when I eliminate sugar from my diet is just American lagers taste like pure fucking sugar. Yeah, well, I'm a really big fan of that hams. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that straight up has fructose added to it. I yeah. mean, they, they, they sweeten it. And it, it's delicious when you're in the mood for something like that. But um, I like the beer quite a bit. But, yeah, I there's a huge difference between that domestic... Uh, sort of synthetic sweetness versus this is that's straight product of fermentation you know in a, in, a, in a malt build that is pretty delightful yeah there's definitely a fruit characteristic to it I like the aftertaste on this too dude like I, th- that's nice I wonder I wonder if that's typical of the Czech style Pilsner where it's a little bit sweeter versus uh, I don't know Pilsners of Various other styles? I don't know. Beer is so fascinating. Seriously, man. Like, the diversity in the different styles, and they're all they're all beer. That's just, that's really, really cool. And the, st- the, the same fundamental process, the same fundamental ingredients with 
uh, limitless variations. Pretty pretty goddamn cool. For sure. Yeah, you got me wanting to drink beer, dude. <laughs> it's problematic for me. Delightful. Hey, this one has your name on it. Yeah, sure it does. Uh, so, moving back to the album, we got uh, Caligate. Probably as close as we're going to get, buddy. I didn't make you try this one, and I should have. <laughs> That's usually my move. Throw you under the bus. Um, so, thrashy start to this one, and total fucking Atlanta sludge vibes on this. I mean, like, this one really slides its way right into that 2000s Baroness Mastodon. Bingo! Black Tusk yep. fucking, yeah. Kalisa, like, this, sh- this should be on relapse in 2004, is where this fucking track should be these guys are prosthetic records currently according to the encyclopedia yeah um they're going to do a dun 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 for whom the bell tolls style riff (laughs) on this one that stuck out like a fucking sore thumb to me um cool little spot uh this song has a slayer meets mastodon with punk vocals overall thing for me uh, intro comes back for the back third on it again, and uh, I like this track quite a bit. This one's a fun one for me. I don't have much. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, not my favorite one for, in terms of like interesting uh, things that I can pull out, such mm-hmm. as you did in your portion there. However, track number six, Ruhr, again, yes, on the on the sludge riffing. I want to play another uh, short clip that is right at the beginning of the track. Love the opening riff on this guy. Kind of like in that kind of that symphonic hit. Dun. I was just about the same thing, like almost it's a Borgerish kind of yeah. Kind of like yeah. To me, not only does that kind of add darkness to it, but it adds a little bit of doom. It's like a uh, gives it like a doom sludge. Yeah. Any, anyways, those guitar tones, that simple riff, that's how you draw me in right there. That's that's what I signed up for if I want to listen to really good sludge metal. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and that's one of the keys too with it is like, uh, like it feels really dragged out compared to the rest of the stuff. It's a very mid-tempo song, but like just keeping the dr- making the slower beat choices with the drums really kind of defines this band because it'd be really easy to fucking blast over a lot of the top of this stuff, and it'd be really easy to like throw in a lot of technical stuff because there's a lot of room there for it. But like keeping that beat like. Oh, right on top of it like that. Just mm. kind of like, I, I, I like the way it makes it feel. Um, unexpected clean dropout in this one as well. Um, some haunty swirling guitar picking going on. And then, uh, hey, let's throw in some acoustic on the end there. Nice flavors. Nice, uh, nice variety in... There's a predictability to a lot of these tracks. 
and uh, this one gives you a little bit. I would agree to that for the most part. A little bit extra. There's in that middle section, it gets kind of mysterious, uh, which which adds, um, which I kind of add, like I, I kind of say with that opening part with that uh, symphonic hit, it it adds a little bit of darkness. You know, it's like they don't want you to for, forget. Like, yeah, you're you're not you're not just listening to like sludge, hard rock here. This is we are giving you fucking metal yeah. here, and it kind of brings the darkness. I I appreciated that. That that's another standout track for me. Growing Graves. This one was the big one for me. Um, I feel like they took everything from the last track and just took it up a fucking notch on this one. Sweet drum work is complementing some tappy guitars on the intro. Really fucking cool section. Probably my favorite moment on the whole album. Um, you get a ride into battle riff uh, with or with like fast picking. Fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, settles into a nice groove. Bass gets a spotlight on the track, which it's been fucking begging for for the whole time. Sure. It's fucking gritty and fucking dirty as fuck, and I like it. Um, and then you get some. Guitars ripping over top of low tom stuff. Uh, this track to me is just a fucking stone cold like fucking rocker fun times. I I love this track. I thought it was a fun upbeat one, probably the most upbeat um, for the whole record. As much as they took from the previous track, as you kind of said, I also think that it wasn't as dark because that that sort of upbeat tempo and that kind of fun level. Sure. Kind of. Uh, n- contrasted, but in a nice way, um, coming off of the uh, the last track. Word. We go into home, um, and it's kind of an acoustic, uh, segue track. Yep. Mm, omittable for me. Yeah, a little bit. And then there's some. I don't know if it was in the language of Swedish or not. I would assume it was. Uh, kind of just jabbering nonsense. I, obviously. Uh, I don't speak no Swedish. Right. I, sh- I should have written this down, and I apologize for not, but if I'm to understand correctly, this is a speech given at the factory that was closed down. Got it. Um, which leads into Thorbear, um, which we open with a sample of people again, and I believe that's also a live recording from the 70s hmm. that they stuck in there. Uh, this one is just like an angry rally cry. To me, this is where the album starts to feel kind of conceptual. It feels like they're kind of bringing it around to uh, what they were getting at. It was interesting that you do get a few sound clips, and they're all on the back end here on, of the album. I think it's if it's if it's not the uh, last let's see last four tracks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they all have sound clips or if it's um, Town Burner. I don't know. I don't think that has a sound clip. So it's. No. Maybe it's just be tracks eight, nine, and eleven. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a tonal shift as this album goes, and uh, loose concept definitely feels like a thing here, and it feels like it more picks up here than nothing. Um. Town Burner has a uh, like live in the drum room with the monitor on intro. Okay. That's what it sounds like to me. I mm-hmm. think that's what they did. Sure. Uh, cool little texture point. In uh, One of the keys when you have a pretty consistent sound is throwing in little nuance like that to just give something a little bit more 
like flavor and a little bit more like sticky outy especially like for me the last three tracks kind of like start to get a little bit mundane so like throwing that in there is it's a nice little touch uh for that track what stood out to me finally we get a um a concrete guitar solo mm. which i liked it was it was brief i think probably only four or five bars long but i really appreciated it um they did a great job clearly i'm a big fan of the sludge riffing all the way through but uh, was kind of was kind of really really looking forward to some guitar porn sure and got a little bit of that um and and uh homie did a nice job with that yeah i mean it's a track that stays consistent kicks ass and it stays hard but not a lot of flavor once you get out of that intro um and we're gonna close with orman ormon ormon yeah there's an omelet out there so i don't yeah. know how you say that uh big fucking intro on this one and uh they're gonna try their hands at some doing a little bit of different creepy like monstery vocals i guess for lack of a better term um i'm gonna close out with grandpa's guitars again uh, which seems appropriate for the vibe that like th- there's something about uh, Scandinavia and an acoustic guitar that kind of works for me and closing out with that on this record I, I, I like it could have been a lot worse yeah. not not my favorite uh, track by any stretch but I'm I'm more with you than than not this is a fun album this is uh as I said earlier this is a tr- this is an album that I want to take a road trip with and uh, just have in. And it's not that there's not nuance to it, but it's one of those albums that I can just have on the background and wait for the riff that I really fucking love to crank it up and then sure. turn it back down and keep having a conversation with somebody. It's not something that you really need to like super, super, super be paying attention to all the little detail on. It's a fun fucking record, dude. I totally understand where you're coming from, and I and I agree with that assessment. I think it's a really good record. When they do what they're good at, it's really, really good. Is the, it, As an entire project from start to finish, the, is the whole 45 minutes, is it interesting enough for me to like make my top list? I think the answer there is no. Uh, what's cool about this is that you can do sludge in a way that where you still push the pace. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get sludge, and it's almost bordering on doom the whole time, which is just slow and sludgy the whole way through. They don't do that at all. They they take enough out of the thrash playbook where they're pushing the pace the majority of the time. You're going to have these slow, spooky midsections here and there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they push the pace. They keep it fun. The riffs are memorable, and they're they're banging, and... It works. Uh, those sound clips made me want to like know at least a little bit of Swedish. Like for for instance, if the, if they were a German band, I think we both know enough German where I can pick out three or four words sure. per per sentence, and I'm, I can kind of get the gist of maybe what's going on a little bit. Just no sense of that whatsoever. <laughs> whatever those sound clips were saying. Sure. So I mean, obviously this is from an ignorant American point of view, <laughs> clearly, but. Uh, I I think like I I didn't know that uh, background on the on the concept of this factory thing. Um, maybe listening through it one more time with that in mind is kind of an interesting starting point. 
Usually I do my research. Apparently this time I didn't do enough. That's okay. Um, yeah, but that being said, like, um, as much as there's supposed to be a concept behind this, it really doesn't feel like the concept kicks in until the back third of the record. There's something yeah. about the back third with this band that I'm trying to figure out. Uh, the fuck was that shit? Scary. There's monsters in here. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, um... So, yeah, it doesn't feel conceptual to me. Uh, and it really doesn't feel... I guess I'm used to... It's... Let me try and figure this one out before I just start fucking running my mouth. It's really easy to... The older you get, the more you look for patterns and shit. And I guess that applies to uh, looking at the album art here. And I guess I, I've gotten accustomed to how I see a concept album laid out, and this one doesn't necessarily fit into the tradition of what I think of when I think of a concept record. Huh, okay. Um, like, I could only, like if you threw in more of those sound clips throughout, and you probably are limited with those sound clips to... I, from what I understand, this is a very specific period of time. So you're probably really limited by what you have available on sound clips, but I, I could almost use more sound clips to kind of glue the concept together from the beginning, and that's not quite there in the beginning. To kind of, to kind of keep it as one story, yeah. Versus this like segmented thing, yeah. yeah there, I, there's no track between segues and stuff. Sure. So well, even even the segue, the you know, track number eight, home, is clearly a segue track. Why why is it so late? Why isn't that track five or six? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm, and perhaps there's an answer to that question, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the answer would be. Yeah. And none of it's a detractor from how much I I, I do like this record quite a bit. Um, it's just, I guess it's just not how I would do it. And again, that kind of falls into the I'm just I guess I'm the older I get, the more I'm used I'm accustomed to how I think a concept records laid out. So. Not bad to change it up, just not what I was expecting, nor necessarily how I would do it. But I didn't do this. Horndall did it. And honestly, it's a pretty kick-ass record. Yes. So. I'm, I'm glad to have these guys on, on the radar. I followed them on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, in, if they are touring next year or something, this is a band I want to go check out for this sure. would be a hell of a live show yeah. dude it's crazy like and they, they would probably get looped in with your guys down from georgia you know what i mean mm-hmm. because of that whole sludge tradition and everything else sorry i cut you off there. if you could dude if you could do a black tusk horndall tour Ooh. i'd be all over that yeah if you could do a feller talk black <laughs> tusk horndall tour fuck that would rip there's like one thing i've learned from the shows that I have been to, is that your favorite band doesn't necessarily make for the best show. I'm not a gigantic Anthrax fan. I'm I like Anthrax, but I'm you've not always huge. talked about that. One of the most fucking fun shows I've ever been yeah, to I remember was Anthrax. Saying. Um, I don't like Amount of Marth, and that was one of the most fun shows I've ever been to. Like, that's not to discount from any of the bands I do like that I've been to that I've had a great time at their shows, but like the experience of being at the show and like if a band is on that night like really fucking on you can fucking convert you i'm pretty pleased when scandinavian bands or well i'll loop 
I'll loop Germany in with Scandinavia. So when, when Germans and or Scandinavians tour North mm-hmm. America, I get pretty excited. That's just cool to me. If you're from elsewhere in Europe, sorry, but <laughs> that sort of gets some, some special attention from old, old Friedman here. But if you're from Yugoslavia, get the fuck out. <laughs> well, it seems like it seems like we get the entire continent of Europe now. Yeah. Where it could be from any fucking place, which is cool. Right. And the next album we're going to review comes from all the way over New Zealand. Oh, man. I'm still working on this Pilsner, though. Yeah. I'm so I'm going to need a couple more minutes. Oh, yeah, you're, you're not even done yet either. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because I really wanted more of the first one, and now we're doing a 16-ounce on this one, and I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a little bit of a task. That's it's a, a fun lot. task, though. It's quite a bit more beer. Well, at least it seems that. Well, we, that's because we split it. That's why. The first one. <sighs> How you feeling about the Red Wings there, buddy? Weird. A little bit of hockey talk, folks. Bringing it back. Episode 50, we should be bringing it back. Bring it back to the foundation that raised us up. We're coming to the end of the 2020-2021 uh, season, and it's uh, it's not looking good for the old wings there, but uh, it's looking up in terms of potential. Your boy Steve UI did some, uh, did some swindling. I dare say. When he worked his magic. Yeah. Um, and so far, it seems like it's working out for both sides. Well, I mean, that's why I got to say, like, I don't, how, I don't see how you can say things aren't going well. I think they're going swimmingly, really, sticking to the plan. They're going the way they're supposed to be going. Like, I mean, we've, the Red Wings have somehow started together three wins in a row. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's pretty weird, because I don't think we've done that all season long. It's really, really had a horrible time um, winning games. Um, but it's also a very unique, strange year. We're seeing like these super lopsided contests. It seems like every night I'm looking at Instagram and there's like seven to one, eight to nothing games. And yeah, I'm a lot like, of I don't know what's going on. It's like one night you're on and you know the game is close, and the next game you get blown out, and you come back and you're also playing each team like three times in a row, kind of like baseball, mm. which is kind of strange for hockey. But um, I have to say. I, I'm not sure how Steve Eisman keeps getting away with what he does. I It's strange to me. I mean, he, the, we uh, don't get me wrong. Anthony Mathis is a very good power forward. But that was a huge haul for one guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't deal away any other asset. So, I mean, that's quite a deal. Anthony Mathis goes to Washington, D.C. We get back Jacob Vrana, uh, R- Richard Ponick, and... Uh, a first round pick and a second round pick. Holy crap! Yeah, that's monster size. It's more complicated than than that. Um, Washington needed to get rid of Ponick, and uh, like kind of desperately needed to get rid of him. And to add the incentive of, of getting rid of him, they tacked on that second round pick. So, but still huge in our favor, I would say. Right. Um, I think one of the underrated benefits of Steve Eisenman is his um, ability to manipulate the financial side of things and to recognize let me ask you this because I I didn't follow Tampa Bay the way that you did Um, 
have they been stuck at the high end of the cap for a long time? They, I, I, I don't know, like, to the dollar, like I do for the most part with the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, they've, they've had to give guys contracts that have kept them near the ceiling for sure. Right. But when you're consistently winning and you can keep these guys around and it's not really too much of a problem, they haven't struggled really. I wonder if you just got a really good education in how to manipulate the cap from that perspective and is now able to reach out to big players and be like, in terms of team finance, not in terms of like ice players, um, and like entice them with, hey, here's the real value is where your cap hits and that's how he's getting away with these deals. Hard to say. I don't know. It it, it feels good, though. <laughs> well, I, like, I like what he's doing. Maybe it's just that Steve Eiserman has been quick to adapt to the era um, and has had some success because of that. Because, I mean, you know, there's, there's 30 other general managers out there, and it seems like Steve has just been really rolling. Built a great team down in Tampa and now he's you know had already some success um, and some successful moves with Detroit but I, I that still doesn't answer the question as to as to why or what what advantage he's really taking that others don't have I, I don't really know maybe he's just embracing the long term a little bit better because we're still not going to be good in the next couple of years that's pretty sure I mean, we've also, we haven't had any luck. I mean, by Ryan's out, Tyler Bertuzzi's out. I was texting you this the, just the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've had some really, really, you know, Fabry's been out. Um, that's a lot of scoring. I mean, that's like the bulk of your scoring, right. you might even say. So, that's kind of tough. Going into this draft, I'd prefer, based on how many picks we have, the worst our record is probably the better for our situation it is so i don't mind those guys being out well this is this is probably the most complicated draft class the nhl has ever seen perhaps yeah just because a lot of the guys haven't played that much Mm -hmm. due to goings on in the world and so it's like how can you judge i mean uh europe has played a lot of games but man the ohl the echl Mm -hmm. um the quebec league They've hardly played games. Quebec. I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to the future. What was great was seeing that graphic that I sent you the other day where they showed what picks the Wings have this year and, like, how many teams they've touched. Like, that's huge in terms of spreading out your value throughout the draft is the more teams that you deal with, the more higher and lower, the more variety of selections you have and they have a bunch um it's great to see that nyquist deal still fucking paying off for the next two years unbelievable god bless you kenny you're a good man uh he, he really went out in a classy way i what, mean he, he really did yeah what a fucking deal like it, it, it's nuts that that's sticking around but not only that but moving the guys that we did bringing in the guys that we did going into a year where there's going to be an expansion draft like, that's huge. You're just adding protection for the players that you really want, and you're 
setting up for like here's some candy that you guys can take great moves sorry i'm gonna jump in there it, it, don't take me the wrong like you should be st- strategic in how you position yourself for that expansion draft mm-hmm. but at the same time all 31 teams are affected by that right so it's not like it's you're just being picked on it affects everybody it's kind of like the pandemic like sure you can you can get all sensitive and be like oh what what was me i got covid or i lost my job or like dude Every single person alive today is affected by this. It's the same thing in the league. It's like, and I hate to make it seem like the expansion draft is like a pandemic, but I'm, it, I'm, <laughs> I'm comparing apples and oranges here, but it's the same kind of a thing where it's like every team has to adjust. Mm. So it's like, just take it for what it is. But it sounds like the Mantha trade will also affect how the Red Wings can adapt and position themselves for the expansion draft. So that's kind of interesting too. Yeah. I think uh, Stevie Y is a pretty smart bloke. As do I. You want to finish that so we can uh, get this other beer in? Let's do it. Just fucking chug it, dude. You got this. Um, Tell me about this next beer. Oh, man. We're going to do us a dunkle. I'm about a dunkle. Um, Adam let me pick the lineup today, so I wanted to finish dark. As uh, as you might guess, that's my style. This is Landbeer, dunkle, rustic, dark, lager. Also from Schilling. Yeah. Pretty excited. As am I. I mean, dude, the the, the, the dark lager is like, this is your classic beer. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you were to drink a beer, if you were to drink a dark beer, it's a dark lager. I remember way back, like early college days when I was just getting into craft beer, the Sam Adams black lager. God, I could have drank a six-pack of that. It was so delicious. And it's basically just a dunkle, you know? Them sounds. It's about the sounds. New Hampshire's a weird fucking shaped state. Yeah, it kind of hugs Vermont. I always consider them sort of like one region. Even though, I mean, the region is New England, but... They're friends. Um, This one's pouring a little bit more fizzy than the uh, Alexander is. And I got a little taste of the foam, and the foam is fucking roasty and delicious. So there's that. Remind me how to show you how to pour a beer. Oh, oh! I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just it. go. I'll just go fuck myself. That's okay. But you didn't get no head, and that's uh, that's your curse. I didn't get no head. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the farm land in the on the can art. Something. Um, Land beer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see a rolling field there. Just like... There's almost a burlap look to it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it definitely... It looks like fields. It looks like plowed fields. Your mom looks like a plowed field. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes things are obvious. How about a cheese to bees, sir? Cheese to bees. I'm, I'm going to go right through all that nonsense right there. That's way fucking different than what we've had. Yeah, it is. It's roasty and malty. It, it smells malty, tastes malty. It must be a dunkle. There you go. Um, getting a little metallic on it. I like it. I'm glad we closed with that. We've had the beer sitting out too, so closing with a darker is probably the smarter way to go as you're warming up. 
That's actually, I, I really like the temperature on this, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not thinking that that's taken away from it. That's pretty good. It feels right. It's light and drinkable. Dude, this, like, this is what I needed, uh, as we're starting into spring. This, this was a great, this was a great choice. I'm glad you picked the beers. I'm glad, glad you set us up the way you did. I see what they this call it. Sorry, I see what they call it, land beer. It has a, it, it has an earthiness. Tastes like the land. Yeah, it it really does. Like a, uh, it almost makes me feel like they took the barley right out of the earth, just just plucked it right out of the earth, threw it into the thing, and you know grinded up the grain right right there before it went into the boil. That's it. Just it just tastes so earthy. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely getting that on the back end, and I burped up a little bit of it too, which is actually surprisingly nice. Delish. I think these guys know what they're doing. That's a good brewery. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I want to go sit down in their fucking brewery really fucking bad. Yeah. I miss that shit. I mean, you can. It's just a little complicated. Yeah. It seems a little bit frivolous. That's right. Millions of people are getting vaxxed. And I'm watching my weight. Every day. So. Yeah. You're in between shots, right? Yep. I've got my first shot a week from today. So it's on the calendar. Did you got the Pfizer? Or do you got the Moderna? The Moderna. Right on. So we're going to get a good feel of everything. Yep. I got the Pfizer's. Shall we talk more metals? Let's do that. All right. So another Instagram find for me. Um, I saw another album cover and I'm like, I'm going to check that out. So you never hear about the ones that I check out and I don't like, but you're always going to find out about the ones I do like. So we have, from New Zealand, the very abridged, very shortened, very easy to remember, blindfolded and led into the woods. Nightmare withdrawals. So these guys are not necessarily rookies. Third full length. Yep. Been around for about a decade. Certainly the first I've heard of them, though. Yeah, me too. Um, and they've got uh, they got some features on this one, and I'm wondering if those were kind of the thing that popped them off. Perhaps. It's possible. Um, so these guys fall under Deathcore and Tech Death and Avant-Garde, and I think that's the appropriate combo on these guys that are all over the place. They're going to... In total agreements with you, it's it is pretty all over the place, and it's pretty fucking dope all over the place, if I may say so. Yeah, there's gonna be some other flavors that we're gonna mention as we go into this, but uh, we will kick off with the inevitable fate of the universe. Um, start out with lo-fi drums, leads right into some blasty fucking chaos. There's there's going to be points of chaos on this album there's going to be points of nuance on this album there's going to be points of beauty on this album and there's going to be just there's you're going to paint with every fucking brush you've got on this record but we're going to start with that blasty uh you have these big fucking guitars uh it's eventually going to settle into uh some core stuff um they're not afraid to go high on the fretboard, this band. They like to, uh, 
I listen to this record on headphones. So I got a stereo mix, like, right in my fucking head. Yeah. So they're separating the guitars. So there's two guitars, and they're one's in one ear and one's in the other. And that ad, like, depending on how you listen to this, it's going to make it more chaotic and more fucking crazy. And one of the things that I noticed is because of the way they produce it, sticking one guitar in each ear really makes it fucking... Not maddening, but, like, you really got to fucking... Pay attention to what's going on. It's nutty. Um, and one of the things... <laughs> like, it's hard to put your finger on a single point because every phrase is a different riff. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, they stick a dive bomb solo. Like, out of fucking nowhere. It, it's... Without breaking it down second by second, it's hard to break down this particular track i mean for the whole album it's there but for this track in particular they want you to know that like you're not gonna settle in you're gonna have crazy shit pay the fuck attention game fucking on i've got two words for you avant-garde hey i mean they they really do exactly what you said they're not gonna settle into any goddamn thing they're, they refuse to be put in a box this is like a feral child it's just they're just not going to fit into your cookie cutter anything. And it's pretty damn chaotic, especially the finish to this track. Really, really chaotic. Yeah. It's well, it's cool though to get like kind of a tech death esque thing happening. Sure. Without like the machine gun drums. I'm really tired of that. You know what? That that is one thing that is nice about having the guitar separation on this record. The bass sits a little bit far back for me. Um, but the drums are crystal fucking clear. Like, every cymbal, you can tell it's a different cymbal. There's no, like, weird hangover on anything. Uh, it's not as big as I would like it to be, but it's crisp and clear. Sure. So, well, I do I, like that. That's kind of my, my point, is I, I don't like these, these tech death bands that where the drummer just does too much. Yeah. It's like, dude... I totally get you're really, really good. You know what I mean? Just because you can play really fast and play a lot of notes and your snare drum sounds like a machine gun, it's really, really cool and everything. But I also want, like, I'm trying to listen to music right now. So maybe you should, like, say that for practice. Um, I just, I get that. Like, I love the band Archspire. And, I, you know, I have close friends who love that band mm-hmm. a lot. You know, I saw them play live. You guys. Somebody opened for those you guys. Opened for them. Um but there's just uh, that whole drum thing. Just is, it's a bit, it's a bit too much for me. Okay. And it's it's also funny coming from a huge fan of extreme metal because that's kind of what extreme metal is, right? It's extreme. Like you take it as far as you can. You play as, you know, a lot of cases. You play as loud and as fast as you can. Mm. You you take it to the level you know eleven plus. But it's just kind of nice to hear a crazy style of metal that. Actually, the drummer's a little bit wrangled in more than not. Kind of a strange comment. But that's honestly how I felt with this opening track. Yeah. Yeah, the drummer almost plays more proggy than tech death. Yes. Sure. That may- Maybe you just put it way more eloquently than I did. Yeah, I mean, he's still fucking fast as shit and is all over the place, but... I... Oh, he has his moments. He has his outbursts because it's avant-garde. Right. But he's not just like straight 
going nuts. Yeah, it sounds. The other thing is, in maybe you know your experience with the audio stuff is way beyond me. Maybe it's that each guitar is in a different channel there, but to me the chords just feel ugly. It's like the notes don't go together in the traditional sense. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right, and it's not um, like I I don't know music theory well enough to even say what the combinations are, but it's not any sort of melody and harmony uh, coming together in a nice way at all. Mm. Like that was kind of my first thing. I was like, wow, those chords are really <laughs> fucking ugly. You know. It's uh, it's almost uh, circusy, like circus mirror y, like distorted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but circus mirror, I, I, I got you. Yeah, but it's just not right. <laughs> sure. Um, we're gonna go on to Black Air, and they give you a more biteable start to this one, just to give you a little bit of calming feeling after what you just came out of with the first track. Uh, there's a thrashy middle section that's got proggy tags on the end of phrases nice points um and then they do a breakdowny end this one's a little bit more biteable and it's a little bit more uh not musical but it's a it's just it's just it's more biteable and that's the best i can do for you i yeah. suppose i still don't think there's any sort of a structure to this track yeah where it's still chaotic enough and they're they're not really transitioning from one thing to the next they're just changing mm-hmm we go into, and you will try to speak, um, slow equals fast on this one. There's, a like, blast through open chord stuff going on. Feels a little bit try-hardy. Try-hardy. Maybe. Uh, can you explain that? Um, because, like, I don't know if it's just opening space for the drums to do some stuff, but, like... The more like open chordy stuff just seems like you're like pushing blasty stuff to remind you that this is a tech band, hmm. a little bit. Not necessarily in a bad way. Just the uh, it's an interesting contrast to what's been going on already in the album. Kind of get the feeling that each member of this band comes from like a different background, and they're just trying to mash it all together and like make something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this track. The, the one tech death guy like took the lead yeah because this is probably the most you can't use the word tr- traditional but the most traditionally tech death track for me but then there's this slow down calm section of this track which I want to play a clip for us here it's about right around the 235 mark and it's kind of like I don't know prog or post metal which is super out of out of nowhere for sure. Isn't it kind of like a post metal? Yeah. I keep in mind I just got done saying it was a tech death song. <laughs> Love that with the drummer. Yeah. pretty damn fascinating to just throw in the middle there after such craziness yeah 
And then a bomb hits, and we go right back into blasting. Right. And he gets machine guns. <laughs> and then, uh, cool solo ending. The... I like that they start doing that on this track, and, like, they ease you in... Like, it's funny that they're easing you into the easing of stuff, because we're gonna bring back some... There's, like, some post-black metal stuff that goes on on the tracks, too, but, like, this is a nice first, like, hey, this isn't the only thing we can do. We can also bring it down. Bring in the romance. Sure. Smooth. The White of the Eyes, um, it's got a really spacey intro to it, and then we're gonna do just some deathcore shit. Real, real brief. If if you blink, you'd you'd miss this one. It's it's over quick. It moves, it moves very very quickly. Yeah. Um, and then we go to atop the wings of a magpie. Um, low rumble. Under uh, guitar accents, almost like the flapping of a bird wings. Yeah, there's some strange guitar effects happening here, which comes back later in the album as well. And I believe this is the track where they have none other than Carl Sanders. Mm -hmm. Interesting. This is like the third album we've reviewed over the last couple of years where Carl Sanders is featured. Uh uh, As you kind of alluded to before, I think that you and I just like a certain type of music (laughs) where certain themes, certain artists get funneled into and we find ourselves... Uh, listening to the same kind of thing over and over. Uh, but I think that having Carl featured in multiple things that we've reviewed just goes to show how much respect mm-hmm. he gets for not only what he's done with Nio, but um, the clear impact he's had on younger guys. Yeah, I, I mean, if you are really, really talented... You have this crazy death metal, avant-garde, prog band. Uh, like the biggest honor would be to have Carl Sanders himself come play on a track. It's yeah, like for the sure. Coolest thing. So, put some respect on his name. That's right. Yeah. Um, we get some more Tuff Decky stuff on this. They do a lo-fi dropout uh, that comes back with like I don't even know what the fuck I wrote here. Yeah, there's a a, a weird little vocal section. You get sorry. Sounds like half halfway muted, like yeah. that that dropout thing, or it sounds like it's being recorded in the next room over, which was actually kind of neat. I thought it was a cool effect. Um, and then they have that kind of cool calm down in the middle again. Yeah, just like the clip I played, where it's like out of nowhere, we're just gonna you know schmooze for a minute. Yeah, uh, spacey stuff. Uh, cool little busy drum fill. Going on to reset back into a lead. Very tasteful solo on the end of this one. I like this one. I, I, I like that action note. Lucid visitations. Soundscapey kind of intro on this one. I thought the drummer got super jazzy. Simple groove. And I was and I was really into that shit. I w- like the first, uh, I'd say one third uh-huh. of the track. I mean, he's straight jazzing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in a club right now. This is fucking great. Yeah, it's cool. I like where they uh, they kind of put the vocals in the background on this one. It uh, adds some texture that you don't otherwise have on the album. And then it comes in hard. And then it drops out into like a like military-style march. Yeah. Kind of builds back into it. It's a fun track. 
I like this one. Now, why would you not go from jazz to <laughs> military march? I, you know. Good stuff. And then we're into the title track, Nightmare Withdraws. Um, crunchy and blasty to start with. Um, intro gets a little bit death heavenly. Death heavenly. Didn't cross my mind, but nice shout out. Yep. Then it goes back to core, and then uh, if you could bring up the sound clip for me. It almost goes like Soundgarden-y there for a minute. It's kind of like almost Black Hole Sunny. I didn't have anything for this track, personally. I don't think it's particularly bad. I think this album's pretty great. But that just wasn't a standout for me. Obscured Witness. Um, clean intro on this one. Feels dreamy. Uh, comes in tech. It's brutal, bro. Yeah. It's uh, a brutal-ass track. Cool little drum reset on this one. I like that. Let those little moments... How about that Rorschach and, and Delirium? This really stood out to me the first listen through. Yeah. Um, they There's a lot going on on the beginning of this track, and there's they, they put a shitload of riffs in there, but there's like one really biteable riff in there that I really liked. Should have timestamped that one. Piece of shit. Um, but yeah, there's just like a thousand riffs before it just drops out. And then you get post black metal stuff again. Yeah, you like the kind of ethereal, uh, trippy thing. Yeah. Uh, this track captures their sound incredibly well, from beginning to end. I really like the journey they take you on, and like you know the three minutes or whatever. That's a fucking cool ass track. Even the tr- even the title. Rorschach and Delirium. And Delirium. It's like those two things don't go together, or do they? Ooh. <laughs> play another clip here and, and it's of course that dropout part that i i, I keep going back to i, I really enjoyed the sound here. It's uh, it's aquatic to me. Um, I get like sure. There's a twanginess that like I associate with surf rock of like a like clean Fender guitar kind of sound. For uh, it's probably not what they're doing, but what it sounds like to me. Is amber the color of your energy? Sometimes it is. I just love that these guys can find it within them to find find it within them to find beauty within the chaos so i mean if you're using the music medium as your outlet mm-hmm. as your catharsis uh and you want to be brutal because you have a lot of that to you have a lot of those feelings to to put out in the world you still find the beauty in the ugly in the brutality in the complicated. I like what you're saying, I, man. I just really like that they have it in there to 
to put that in there. Plus, it also reminds me a little bit, because you know, it gets a little, especially the drummer. I keep going back to the drummer. It gets a little jazzy in there a little mm-hmm. bit during these parts, these clips that I've played. It's, it's just, it's neat. And I appreciate it. I like the things that are coming out of your mouth. Your shirt says ho to me. You ho. <laughs> and then we will, cl- how, how's your Latin? It's fantastic. <laughs> I don't even have an accent. Sigmundus creatus est. Eh? Yeah. Spot on, brother. Hey. Sometimes. I speak the most Italian. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I like what's going on with the toms and the kicks on the beginning here with the fuzziness. It's a fun way to start. I. It's funny. I put down the same thing. Uh, I really like the, t- the time work in the intro. I, I, I think the drummer is like a standout performance here. Mm-hmm. It's, I like it a lot. Uh, not a lot to say about the bass. Through, through the whole thing, yeah. I, I think you said it's kind of back in the mix. I really just didn't... There was no section where I could really grab a bite-sized hole sure. of of the bass at any point. Yeah. Um, kind of like Horndall, I wasn't like super overwhelmed with this track to close out. It's it's cool. There's like even some some synths happening mm-hmm. at some point. Um, very dramatic close. I think they tried to go really big with the final track. But I mean, like as, as I've said for years now on this podcast, uh, no one's ever really figured out the perfect way to end anything. Mm-hmm. So, but I think they really put a lot of effort into that last track. It's, it's a very grand close. Yeah. To this crazy fucking album. Yeah, it's uh, it's a whole lot to take in. It's a good time. It's a lot of flavors. It's uh, technically fucking proficient as shit. It's a cool fucking album. I like it. You do a lot without doing too much. Mm. That's kind of neat. And just to remind you a little bit, I don't know if you... Elmart's super fucking weird. Which is cool. It is, and that was the drawing. That was uh, the thing that was like, boom, check it out. Fucking cool. Not only that, but like, blindfolded and led into the woods is, uh, here's the problem with that is I had to Google it like 40 billion times, so that's in my fucking Google history now, which is uh, terrifying for FBI fodder. Well, I got news for you, buddy. The amount of incredibly violent uh, album titles track titles yeah. that we've been listening to for a long time probably doesn't look real good but that's alright yeah I have a lot of money going out into uh, foreign countries for CDs too so that doesn't look good so oh, you build a really nice case against me <laughs> all, all in the name of my fucking music enjoyment so good times and uh, not bad for a uh Album selection curated by Lumberslayer and beer selection can curated by Adam. It's all come together really nicely. I feel buzzed. I haven't felt that in a while. Feels great. I remember my first beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I love saying that. It's great. It's weird not eating and then uh, drinking. It feels great. It feels uh, real smooth. Time to do shots. <laughs> it's fun to do this, dude. It is, man. I love doing it. 
Well, it, it helps push the discovery of new music, discovery of new beer, pushes us to bro out together. Yeah. You know, otherwise, uh, we'd have even less time together, yeah. which would be unacceptable. Let's be honest. I agree. Another 10 minutes away. Yeah. But we're scared. I'm scared of being a nobody. It's, uh... So we've... Uh, full disclosure, we've done more than 50 of these. It's just... I know we flat out scrapped one of them. We had the uh, Ben Chili incident where we had the power outage, so we lost an episode. I think there's another one in there that got lost as well. So uh, we've done more than 50 of these, but it's uh, it's cool that we've hit that 50 mark. It is cool. Feels like uh, Feels like we're a real podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. I like it. Yeah, me too. Um, got a summer coming up, which means we're gonna have way more releases. It's gonna be a busy year. It's gonna be a fun year. It already is. I feel like, yeah. man, just so much music, just all the time. And coming off of a year that was incredibly uncertain, it's really nice to have a bunch of music. That it is. And things to look forward to. Hell yeah. Do we have anything else we need to hit today, sir? I don't think so, buddy. Cool. I like this one. Streamline. Straightforward. Let's have a lot of fun. Let them know what's up. For this week's episode, for the 50th episode of Lumber Slayer and Friends, I have been Alex Lumber Slayer along with... Your boy, Adam Freeman. And we'll see you. God, Adam's Hitler. He wants to have Nick Clance. Oh no, that's ac- I didn't actually say that. Uh, hey, at least we got one fan. Hey, look at that. That's gold, baby. Hey, hey. No, go fuck yourself. It, it took me about five seconds to know what you meant by she got sick, so I'm gonna get sick, and I was like, "Is you're both attractive people? You're gonna have a good-looking kid." <laughs> <laughs>